0: Hey, it's Russo over at the War Seats in the House podcast with Anthony LaPanta. Join us February 17th at 7 p.m. at Tuttle's and Hopkins for another fun podcast, plus dinner, drinks, and bowling. That's Tuttle's and Hopkins, February 17th at 7 p.m. Hope to see you there.
1: There is never... Not a good day to talk about David Ortiz having peanut butter placed in his underwear by Corey Koski. And yes, we will get to that story uh, for old time's sake. Uh, the cool thing about seeing David Ortiz go into the Hall of Fame is that we covered him back when. When he was just kind of a goofy kid who liked pranks, who got pranks played on him, uh, who was incredibly popular with his teammates and as a baseball player, couldn't quite stay healthy enough to really show what he could do. Uh, but it is it is interesting and fun to see him placed in the Hall of Fame. I no longer vote for the Hall of Fame. Lavelle Neal does. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Uh, this show is just myself and Lavelle. Roy Smalley is the third party on this show, and he will be back soon. But this week, we're just going to talk to Lavelle. We're going to start off with the Hall of Fame. Uh, Reminder, best way to listen to this show or the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see the shows as they are released. You can always find the shows, our sponsors, information about the network, and our archives at TalkNorth.com. So Lavelle, let's start on just a basic emotional level. I mean, you and I both got to cover David Ortiz. You covered him more on a daily basis than I did. What's it like to see him go in the Hall of Fame? I thought it was pretty neat. And, you know, I know that uh, people are going to look back at his history here
0: differently, um, especially how the Twins, uh, you know, kind of gave up on him and sent him to Boston where he became a superstar. But, you know, and I guess maybe I was, you know, I, I was so impressionable at the time because it was like my the first time dealing with a team that was halfway decent. That old two Twins team was a team that finally broke through and won the division and went to the playoffs and uh they knocked off the i think that was the year they knocked off the A's in the first round and getting Angels.
1: The- uh you're right no you're right you they knocked off um the A's in five games the in the first round and then they lost the Angels in the ALCS
0: yeah and so Ortiz was part of that team you know i think yep. he had like 20 homers and 75 RBI um it just seemed like everything was ascending upward but uh it was uh I, I remember being you know very surprised when they decided to cut ties with him uh, at the time, I think they're worried about the share stop spot. i mean, hello Jose Morbon in the Rule Five draft. Um, but you also knew then that the, you know TK and I want to say they I, don't, I want to say they hated each other. But you know TK wanted didn't want Ortiz to be a pull happy hitter. He wanted him to use the whole field and 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 use the opposite field. And I think some of the principles that TK tried to tried to have Ortiz adhere to ended up helping him in the long run, especially when he got in the park like Fenway and saw how close that green monster was. So, um, but I don't know if TK would ever let Ortiz just go fully loose and say, all right, just kill the ball now. Just knock the crap out of the ball. Obliterate it wherever it's pitched, whatever direction you want. Um, Because that's pretty much what Boston told him when he joined them. I don't know if he he ever would have heard that from the Twins. Now, so you wonder if he would have become the big poppy if he had stayed in Minnesota. But I just remember him just, Laughing, talking, being uh, injecting so much life into the clubhouse when he entered, um, people gravitating toward him. Uh, him and Koski going at it. Him and Torrey Hunter going at it. Him and Jock Jones going at it. You know, he was part of that fabric of that of that of that unique team that had a lot of alpha alpha personalities uh, that would they would just have a good time on and off the field. And um, that was when that started that, that the two, that run in the two thousands when the Twins were pretty good. And Ortiz was at the beginning of that, and that's something I'll never forget.
1: I, I agree with you. At the time we covered him, Ortiz's personality was much bigger than his production, but the personality was there, and he had he had the personality of a leader. He just didn't perform well enough or stay healthy enough for that to matter. And you know what? I was going to get into the Hall of Fame voting, but let's let's go deeper on Ortiz here. This is a, a, another former twin going into the Hall of Fame, and he is probably more fascinating than most twins because of his spotted history. With the twins, let's let's start with this. Uh, there is a fallacy out there that, or at least what I think is a fallacy. And by the way, I, I was in a weird situation. I ended up going down to uh, the Dominican Republic and Venezuela to do baseball stories on Christian Guzman and Carlos Polito and Johan Santana and Ortiz. I was I ended up being in the dugout of Ortiz's winter ball team when Ortiz, or right after Ortiz received the news the Twins were cutting him, I interviewed him. I sat in and talked to him for a bit. Of course, he was completely despondent, and then he went out and like hit a home run that game. I mean, it was kind of a classic Ortiz moment. But So here's the thing. It was somewhat understandable that the Twins did not think all that highly of Ortiz's future at that time. In the organization, they thought he was older than his listed age, they thought he yes. didn't take care of himself. They thought he was he was out of shape. He was not the monster, you know, the big powerful guy we saw in Boston. He looked like a guy who just relied on his hands. He had great hands and he didn't seem to work very hard. Great personality, uh, productive hitter when you extrapolated his numbers out, but he wasn't that guy. And so I think it's I think the fairest way to look at it when you're analyzing the twins decision is there was it was it wasn't crazy at the time to let Ortiz go. And and to follow that up, every, every team in the majors, 29 teams had a chance to sign David Ortiz as a free agent. Yes. He didn't get signed right away. He got signed late by the Red Sox for $1.5 million on a one-year deal to be a backup first baseman and pinch hitter. Nobody in baseball thought he was a starter. Nobody thought he was even a starting DH. So everybody in baseball basically agreed with the Twins. Where you can bash the Twins, and I have, is what when you compare them to who they were going to use instead. They opted for Matthew LeCroy instead of David Ortiz, and yeah. that was a grotesque misjudgment of talent.
0: Yeah. Well, well Matthew LeCroy could not play in the field. I mean, he was barely good enough to catch. Um, and I think they tried him at first base a little bit too. and that was just a disaster. I think they tried a bunch of guys at first. I want to say that Kadir was at first for a, a little bit too. But, they tried uh,
1: Gerald Clark and Kevin Moss at first base for guys. Yeah. Or that's I'm going farther back, but but you get but, the idea. They did not really have a first baseman. And real, if you remember, uh, I can't remember the dude's name. Uh, oh, I'm Travis. Uh, da, 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 da. The guy they drafted who didn't want to sign with them and ended up playing for the Diamondbacks. Travis Thanks, Travis Lee when the Twins failed to – and they failed on a pa- piece of paperwork that allowed Lee to become kind of a, leverage his way into free agency. When they lost Travis Lee, Minnesotans acted like the franchise was going to be disbanded. That's how desperate they were for first baseman.
0: Yep. Yep. You know, the funny part is I was covering the Kansas City Royals and I was sitting in Herc Robinson's office. He was the GM of the Royals at the time. And we were talking and shooting the, the, the stuff. And all of a sudden he just <laughs> clicks on something and goes, huh. Major League Baseball has declared Travis Lee a free agent. Interesting. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I remember uh, hearing that, and I was like, "Oh, wow, that's a, that's interesting." I remember he because he was playing in the minors. Who, he ended up playing in the minors and just tearing it up, and it just looked like it was going to be one of the worst mistakes the Twins had ever made. Mm-hmm. But getting back to Ortiz, I remember talking to Ortiz about questions about his age. You know, he's it was before that 20, the 2002 season because I remember we were. Standing um, at the time, there's a balcony outside the Twins offices on the third floor. Yep. And he's like, I'm 26 for real. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and the other thing about David, too, is that you look at him and the word athlete does not um, come to mind. OK, no. um, he didn't have much of a vertical leap. Uh, his agility did not exist. I think he once didn't he once, like, go, uh uh his knee
1: trying to stop while running mm-hmm. the bases. Yeah, yeah he think, got hurt all the time. He broke his handmate hitting a home run in Kansas City. Uh, yes. He just seemed really fragile or out of shape. Yeah,
0: and so you know, I mean, yeah, there were some. It looked there were some perceived warts there with him. Um, I still thought it was a little bit surprised, and I thought that the, I figured the club boss would be upset that, that someone that who they really loved was. Um, and they were. Yeah, they were. They were. Uh, but I mean, who saw who saw that coming? That uh, he was going to explode the way he did. And Jim, the, the thing you look, you go to Baseball Reference and look at Ortiz's career, and the stuff he did his last five years, oh. where the the wisdom and the experience were intersecting with his hand eye coordination and his strength, it was ridiculous. His strikeouts dropped like his last five years as a major leaguer, and his walks went up, and all of a sudden he was. I mean, his his last year in baseball, he hit three fifteen with. 38 homers and 127 RBI at age 40. and had a 1021 OPS. The only reason Ortiz may he may still be playing now is because he had bad feet. And mm-hmm. the, and he and, as he talked about talked on MLB Network once he was uh, found out he was going to the Hall of Fame. He said he said the training staff and the medical staff did a lot that year to keep him on the field because he was in pain. It wasn't the type of pain that he was going to make his, his injury worse, but he played in pain that year. Um, but just, just remarkable how he he aged very he aged very well, and it took you know feet injuries to to force him to leave the game.
1: Yeah, and to get back to the TK aspect of this, which I think is fascinating because. Mm-hmm. You know, TK never told Kirby Puckett how to hit, and Kirby was a completely unconventional hitter, and Kirby also used the other field, naturally. Uh, So many of TK's best hitters naturally used the other field. Herbeck drove to the opposite field. Mm -hmm. Gatti could sit on a pitch and and pull it, but he also used the whole field. I mean, Kelly, all of Kelly's favorite players and hitters naturally used the the opposite field or grew up learning to use the opposite field. And and here's the problem. I, I think... The problem between TK and Ortiz was that they really just didn't like each other. Um, and I think TK thought Ortiz didn't work hard enough, didn't work out hard enough, uh, didn't take suggestions seriously enough. And Ortiz had, at that point, an arrogance about as a hitter that he would later justify, but he really wasn't justifying in the moment. But the funny thing is, and you alluded to it, Tom Kelly wanted David Ortiz to drive the ball to left center mm-hmm. when the pitch was out over the plate. And doing that is what made David Ortiz a Hall of Famer. When he started, when he did that, when he went to Boston and said, Yeah, every once in a while, I'm going to hook a, hook a pitch down the right field line for a cheap home run. But what I'm really going to do on a at bat by a bat basis is I'm going to wear out the green monster. So even though they never agreed on anything, they ended up agreeing on the swing pattern that made Ortiz a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, I think even David was smart enough to realize once he got the boss, was like, this wall is not that far, and I can hit this wall pretty easily with even my worst swing, and so, and I can get the, and it will be a double. So, um, I think he was at the right place at the right time for what type of skill set he had. Um, It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if TK is going to go to Cooperstown for the ceremony because of Tony Oliva and Jim Cott. And yeah. if that's the case, he probably will, he'll probably have a conversation with Ortiz sometime during that weekend. That could be fascinating.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. That would be great. Um, a little more on Ortiz, more on other Hall of Famers. We do want to thank our sponsors of Chin Music at TalkNorth.com. And let's start with one of our newest sponsors at TalkNorth.com, Perfect Ash.
0: Yes, uh, I'm, I'm slowly but surely um, – Realizing my goal of having all my vices sponsor us, and so yes, oh <laughs> man, we're we're gonna do a longer show. Yeah, yeah, so we like to welcome the Perfect Ash Cigar Cigar and Pipe Store to um to our lineup of sponsors. The Perfect Ash is a place I've been going to for years. Uh, it used to be in Lilydale, Minnesota, and then moved to Inver Grove Heights, where it currently is um is located. It's like a two mile drive from my driveway, so it's very convenient, right off of Highway 52 near the Invergrove Brewery. Um, New ownership, Patrick O'Brien is a former Gophers football player who recently took over ownership of the Ash. He has bought new televisions. He has expanded the humidor, I would say, by about 35 to 40%. They have over 340 different types of cigars, brands, and styles in that humidor now, and it's definitely a great place to go uh, with like-minded individuals, have a couple puffs, watch some sports, and just relax. So um, I uh, wholeheartedly, if you like smoking cigars, the perfect ash is the place for you.
1: Speaking of places where you can indulge your vices, tell us about 11 Wells. And by the way, I'm sitting here holding a glass of Minnesota 13 whiskey as we speak. That is funny that you brought that up because
0: I walked through the door today and the first thing I put my hands on was the the the, the wonderful rum that, uh, that they, uh, have allowed us to have Mm -hmm. here. And, um, the rum is a very, very underrated, um, uh, offering that they have. It's been, uh, aged in bourbon barrels. So it has a little bit of that bourbon, uh, taste to it. And I wholeheartedly suggest people who stop by 11 wells located just east of downtown St. Paul, uh, in the old hams brewery facility, um, they uh, drill down 400 feet to get the water uh, get the water to make their whiskeys from, water that is in one of the purest aquifers in the region. Um, they have a lounge area where you can uh, drink and speak, talk to the bartenders, or you can go out uh, in a little o- opening area where there's uh, sofas and chairs. You sit, sit there with your friends and have great conversations while sipping some fine uh, beverages. Yes, that Minnesota 13 is very good whiskey. I also like the rum, too. So check out 11 Wells.
1: Also, we'd like to thank Pizza Luce for hosting our live shows. Pizza Luce all over the Metro. Uh, We do the baseball show at the Eden Prairie Pizza Luce. We also do the Cheryl Reeve show at the downtown Pizza Luce. Now, because of COVID restrictions and Cheryl's, uh, organizational restrictions. We have not done a live show in a while. We hope to get back to it soon. Uh, hope to see out there. The shows are a blast. So we'll give you more information on that as we get going forward. In a moment, we'll thank Memorial Blood Centers and Better Edge. And I do want to thank our spot, our uh, longtime producer, Brandon Morton, and our sales executive, Karen Cleary. All right, a little more on Ortiz here. Uh, what did you think of the fact that Ortiz got in so easily, even though his name was once linked to steroids? And Obviously, Barry Bond, people like Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez, Roger Clemens were kept out or had their vote depressed because of their link to steroids. I know it's I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but I thought I'd just put that softball up there for you.
0: Well, you know, this debate's been going on in recent years, and um, I think the I think the the voting body is all over the, all, all over the map on this one. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and admonish them like my colleague Rob Parker uh, did on MLB Network la- uh, last night, but. Um, I, I just, I'm a little disappointed. And here's the thing in 2003, they had a survey test to see if there was enough usage of uh, steroids to actually uh, put together a real policy with some bike. Mm-hmm. Cause basically before that, ladies and gentlemen, you could just drive. It was like driving on a highway and the speed limit 60 and everybody's doing 85. Cause they know there's no police to be found anywhere. Okay. So I think anyone who is interested in getting the edge or if, Pitchers were sick of watching hitters, you know, thrive off of uh, PEDs. Started taking it so they could bounce back quicker and pitch longer in the games. I just don't think a lot of guys are riding dirty up until that two thousand three survey. In two thousand four, they strengthened the drug policy, added bite to it. Was uh, announced, you know, players are going to be suspended, you know, for X amount of days. And you got caught a second time, it could be like hundred days. We saw what happened with Manny Ramirez. We saw what happened with A Rod. So Ortiz tested positive in 03. So he never tested positive after the league toughened its policy. So I, I think, and I, I know I have colleagues of mine who agree that in those circumstances, uh, it's okay to vote for someone for David because, like I said, before 2004, everything is wild and loose. Guys who test positive afterwards, you know, they're idiots. Um, and so, but a lot of people still have raised the question of whether or not. Ortiz has been clean throughout his career, particularly his career with the Red Sox, just because that that 2003 thing. Um, Jim, I'm at the point where I'm convinced I covered a lot of guys who did PEDs throughout. my. my No
1: question. I did.
0: Yeah. And I think there's already guys in the Hall of Fame who have done. PEDs. I remember sitting with you in spring training. I'm not going to say the player's name, but we were sitting in the press box and a certain team came in to play the twins. And we like, oh, my God, look how much weight this guy lost. He's lost a whole body. And you can tell that was the year he got off the PEDs, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so I I think that um, I started voting for Bonds at Clemens about five or six years ago because of that, because I just think that juice pitchers are facing juice hitters half the time. And um, but a lot of guys just didn't get caught.
1: I agree with you completely. I, and I gave up my vote because I was tired of trying to figure out what my role in deciding who's in the Hall of Fame or. It shouldn't be, is it? I admire those who still do it. I just don't think. I just don't think you should be forced to do it. Uh, but let's let's get to more on that. Uh, but first, we do want to thank Memorial Blood Centers. Ever know someone who's needed blood?
0: What about someone who's needed blood once, twice, or even three times a month for hospital patients who need regular blood transfusions, like some with sickle cell disease? Having a blood donor who has similar blood characteristics is critical. That's why we need your generous folks from our local Black community to step up and give blood with Memorial Blood Centers. Learn more or schedule an appointment by calling 1-888-448-3253 or by visiting the website mbc.org. That's mbc.org.
1: And we'd also like to thank Better Edge. Combine your
0: love for competition, social and sports with Better Edge, the sports betting exchange that actually gives back to its betters. Better Edge is a brand new locally based betting platform meant to connect users and attempt to add some coin to the bank. Completely legal and 100% fun, compete against friends, sports insiders and yourself with Better Edge in a number of different sports and event competitions. In fact, you can follow me. My username is Sonny Everett on this platform to see what my picks are. Use code C-H-I-N for a free $10 when you sign up by visiting betteredge.com. That's bettore dot
1: And again, thanks to Pizza Luce for hosting our live shows, which we hope to get back to soon. Uh, that's the thing, Lavelle, is I almost feel like baseball writers are kind of getting used at this point. Um, because we get blamed for everything. There's no reward to voting for these things. And we kind of do the dirty work for, you know, veteran players who don't want to see steroid users in the hall of fame and for the baseball hall of fame itself, which gets to just kind of blame, you know, just implicitly blame the writers for, for anything that doesn't go the way that the the fan wants.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, And 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 by the time it gets to us though, that can's been kicked down the road Um, and it starts at the top, you know, because, you know, Teams they want to clean up their own houses. GMs probably knew their players were doing everything they could to stay on the field and be productive. Trainers, the players themselves, everybody was looking the other way. Um, so it falls into the laps of some sports writers who try to enact some standards. And then we up in the crosshairs of everyone be, and being called, everything from being um, uh, condescending to being sanctimonious and to not having a clue where, you know, the industry as a whole had pretty much had a blind eye Turned toward the, the the PED problem in the 1990s and the early 2000s, and so, um, you know, and it's tough because we're also in this cancel culture phase here, where if your opinion differs from mine, then you're automatically wrong. And so, if you don't vote for this guy, you should not have a vote at all. And so now, you know, the movement is these voters should not be allowed to vote because Bonds and Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame, where as we have laid out here, it's not that's it's not that easy of a decision for some people who do believe that players should be clean and who do believe that that should be held against players who have cheated. Not everybody's going to feel the same about PEDs. I've shrugged my shoulders and said, look, I think so many people were cheating that everybody was in the same boat at the same time. Others are like, that's still not fair. You should be able to hold people to standards. I get it. We, we, we have a difference of opinion there, but um, to move forward with this, you know, I don't think the voting process is going to change anytime soon. We're just going to have to try to deal with it the best we can. We have 400 people vote for the Hall of Fame, and I still think it's one of the better Hall of Fame halls of fames out there because there's more. It's more transparent. You know who the voters are. I don't know who in the hell puts people in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't know who in the hell votes for the NBA Hall of Fame. I know there's a meeting for the NFL Hall of Fame. I also know that Sid Hartman has kept Vikings out of the Hall of Fame by calling people dopes and idiots. Damn right, for guys. But well, in, baseball, fact. in baseball, you can go on the BBWA website right now and look up people's ballots. I've agreed to have my ballot posted on the BBWA website. So you can go and look at my decisions and you can come at me whenever you want. You know? So I still think the baseball hall of fame voting is probably the best of the of the four blue blood professional sports in this country.
1: I agree with you, and I think a large voting block is good because it makes it more democratic. It means that a one crazy vote doesn't really matter that much. Uh, makes any you know wacky vote uh, less statistically significant. I will say that it should probably be fewer than four hundred. I think I think that the vote should be the province of people who really actively cover the game on a daily basis or who did it for so long that they are rightfully grandfathered in. I think there are people out there who have a Hall of Fame vote who really, you know, probably don't deserve one.
0: Well, I mean, it's also disappointing because I believe there's about 15 ballots that weren't returned this year. Right. Which I think is very disappointing. Yeah. And I, the people who send in blank ballots or have the audacity to just vote for one guy and send it in because they just want it to be hard for everybody else. You know, those people need to be dealt with. And Jim, here's the thing though. Five six years ago, they weeded out 200 people, it was like 600 people voting at one point, right? For the hall. But we found out there were people who were just des- deceased, and the ballot was still being mailed to the office. And some, some kid on the copy desk was filling it out and sending mm-hmm. it back in, you know. So, yeah. um, it, it's gotten better, it could probably still get a little bit better. Um, but I I do think the majority of voters are are passionate and careful, uh, about what they, what they want to do. I will say this since I'm since we're on here now, I will admit that I, I'm disappointed in my ballot with one aspect, because I did vote for um, Omar Omar Viscale like I have in the past, because I think he's absolutely was brilliant as a player. Um, I've overlooked the fact that uh, he's had some um, domestic abuse uh, allegations within the last year, and I think you saw his vote drop um, because of that, and I will not be voting for Omar going forward, and I am disappointed in myself that I did not um um, look deeper into Viscal's background to to remind myself that he had these cases out there. So that was my little glitch on my ballot from this year. But other than that, uh, I think I had a pretty good ballot.
1: How about Joe Nathan? Uh, what did you think uh, of the fact that he did not oh, meet the threshold?
0: Oh, I'm sick over that one. Because Billy Wagner is getting 50% of the vote. And if Wagner is being considered a candidate for the Hall of Fame, then I'm going to have to put Joe Nathan right up there. Um, you know Wagner may have been a little bit better, but there was a six-year period where Joe Nathan's numbers were like Mariano Rivera's. There was a mm-hmm. period where Joe Nathan was absolutely unhittable, and uh, he was one of the best closers in the game. And if Nathan had been with, the, with the, the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox, he would have been considered uh, the second-best closer in baseball behind um, – behind mari because Nathan was automatic he was absolutely it was the game was over when he came in in the ninth inning and um i think that's being overlooked here and i i, I just took it for granted that he was going to get at least five percent of the vote and he didn't look at this 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 um this five-year run well from six-year run from 04 to 09 he had a 187 era and saved mm-hmm. 246 games he struck out of 518 batters in 418 innings. Um, he was just a dominant force. I, I, when I saw that, I almost fell out of my chair. Cause I just thought it would be a slam dunk that this guy. will get at least 5% of the ballot, the remain on the ballot, but now he's gone and he's going to wait a few years before he can get on the veterans committee.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think he should be on the ballot. You can argue whether or not he's a hall of famer or not. I don't think you can argue that he should be, uh, considered for the hall of fame for the full, uh, full possible tenure. Uh, I, I, I do have a regret myself. My regret is that so many people did not vote for Alex Rodriguez for the Hall of Fame just because he wore a Packer hat on Saturday night. Oh, yeah.
0: That was weird. And then he had to explain to someone that, no, I'm not a Packers fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing it was first world problems with A-Rod. He walked into the stadium with his beautiful coat on and he was looking all pretty and fresh and didn't realize how cold it was going to be in the stands. And then had to go find find a hat. It just happened to be a Packers hat. I think that's probably what happened. Um, but still, it was weird seeing them with a with a Packers hat on, um, in, in that type of setting. And it almost made you want the Packers to lose anymore, uh, even more. You know, and I'm a south side of Chicago guy, so I already want the Packers to fail every step of the way. Now with A-Rod with A-Rod backing them, it made it even worse.
1: I just, I had a Twitter conversation about this and somebody asked me, I think it was Lindsey Young from the Vikings asked me, is this really that big a deal? I said, absolutely. It is not a big deal. It's just hilarious because, and here's why it's so funny. Because Alex Rodriguez is obsessed with his image and he's trying to introduce himself and his image to a new market. And he inadvertently did the one thing that made everybody hate him.
0: Yes, he sure did. Um, because uh, as soon as it was on camera, people were reacting to it on Twitter, taking screenshots and going, What the hell is this all about? Um, the, the one he he, he would have been better off wearing a uh, San, Francisco, white, uh, San Francisco hat, yeah, he probably could have had his boy contact the 49ers clubhouse and could have uh, acquired one to wear, but maybe that would have pissed off people in the stands next to him. But who's going to throw a punch at A rod So he yeah, do he's still a big dude.
1: So, by the way, just as a baseball writer, I mean, you and I both covered A-Rod. We both had conversations with him. We both yep. saw him with different teams. What's it like for you to see him in town as a, an owner of a Minnesota franchise?
0: I'm still getting used to that. Um, you know, uh, he, he he happens to have this great relationship with Mark Laurie, who seems to be a brilliant man who has some very interesting ideas about the future of basketball and how the the game day experience can can be enjoyed by fans. Um But I didn't see, I figured A-Rod would would do everything he could to one day become a baseball owner or be a a minority owner or just hook up or or buy a a stake in a baseball team. I did not see him pivoting to basketball so so decisively, you know, because he now has a direct effect on the future of basketball in this town because it's going to be inevitable that um, they're going to ask for a new stadium and... It's going to be a test of, uh, of wills at that point for the, for the uh, state and then the county, Hammond County, to step up and do what's necessary to build a state-at-art stadium in the eyes of what Lori and A-Rod uh, see it as. And that could potentially be a problem. And with the, with the, the uh, fact that Seattle and Vegas are sniffing around you know, teams and wanted, wanting to join the NBA, you know, Seattle, in their case, trying to return to the NBA, you know, people in this town are going to be nervous about the possible end game in which the the Wolves end up playing elsewhere. So A-Rod has, he has, he's got a presence here um, that's going to affect the future of basketball here.
1: Yes. Uh, hey, the next week, we're going to talk about robot umps. We're going to talk about negotiations. Oh, no. We're going to talk about Guardy and Tovar and Gladden. Uh, Roy will, Royce will be back with us soon, but we got to get some time in with Lavelle before he heads to the Olympics. We're also going to talk to Lavelle about the Olympics. Once again, thank you to Perfect Ash. Check it out. Check out Eleven Wells Distillery and the rum and their 13 whiskey and everything else. Check, uh, we want to express our appreciation to Memorial Blood Centers, and the important work they do, uh, thanks to Better Edge. And, of course, thanks to Pizza Luce. Thanks to Lavelle E. Neal III and Brandon Morton. Uh, For TalkNorth.com, I'm Jim Suhan.